So I wonder what your attitude towards obeying rules. What were you like at school? <laughs> That's an interesting face pulled from you there, David. I wonder if it goes with the name. Because <laughs> this David here, yeah, often got into trouble with rules and regulations at school. Some folks just seem to be better disposed at them, don't they? At following them. I was brought up as a child to obey rules and regulations without question. Just to get on with it. So I've got a healthy respect for rules, but I prefer to understand why they are there. What they're about. And then when I understand that, there's a reason behind me and I can really get behind and support. Thanks, Mike. Can you just bring up the words from the psalm, from Proverbs? And our commandments that we were hearing from there this morning, it's about putting God first. And there's a lovely backup in the words from Proverbs here. And everything you do, put God first. He will direct you and crown your efforts with success. Following God's rules bears fruit and fruitfulness. So what about you and rules? Do you obey them? Which ones might you have broken? Which ones do you think you've got away with? (laughs) Or didn't you get away with? A conservative estimate I was reading last week has got the fact that they reckon there's about 32, over 32 million separate laws in existence in the world. Now that's a lifetime achievement for the person who was counting them up, isn't it? Right? A real, a real one. But 32 million is an incredible amount. But what struck me was there are 32 million opportunities for me to get things wrong. God gave 10. Just 10. And on those 10, nations all around the world have based their judicial system. So many countries just basing themselves on those Ten Commandments. Abraham Lincoln said, if it was not for the Ten Commandments, no one would know what is right and wrong. So important are they. They form the backbone to the justice system. But if we look at the Ten Commandments as a ladder to success, we've got it wrong. God did not give us the Ten Commandments in order that we climb up each rung, gaining God points towards our salvation. Praise God for that. Because none of us, none of us are capable of earning our salvation in that way. That's why Jesus came, isn't it? You break the law, you pay a penalty. We break the law in our sin. We need to pay a penalty. God made that clear, but we cannot pay it ever fully. So Jesus came to pay it for us. We put our trust in him. We get our salvation that way and only through him. The Ten Commandments aren't there as a set of restrictions. The Ten Commandments are meant to be there as a framework for freedom. That if we're observing them, here's God's guidelines towards a life of, yeah, health and happiness and prosperity. But the first four, the first four all deal with our relationship with God himself. 
The next six deal with our relationship with one another. But that hangs on the fact that we have got to get our relationship with God right first. That's where our salvation lies. If there is anybody here this morning who is not absolutely confident that when they face the judgment seat, they will be in a position of righteousness and right standing before God. Look at your relationship with Jesus Christ. Have we got it right? And if anyone needs any help with that, don't waste time. Get onto it. That's where our salvation lies. Our relationship with God is fundamental to all things. So God is talking about us prioritising our relationship with him, about honouring him, revering him, worshipping him, putting him at the centre of all things. But how do you do that? How do we do that? Thanks, Mike. How do we put God first? Well, here's a question then. Where is God in the car of your life? If your life was a car, where is God? First, is he in the boot? Right? You like him to be around you. You like to know he's there. But you've got him locked in the boot. And every so now, often you'll, you'll rock up somewhere like a, for a place like this and you'll unlock the boot and you say, you can get out now. Let's walk in together. And you'll have an hour or so with him. And then when you finish, you walk back to the car and you get back in there, lock the boot up and that's it again. Is God in the boot of your life? Or is he in the back seat? You like to know he's there. You know, you like to know he's present. But if he's in the back seat, he's a little bit closer. You can just about hear him, but you're always having to look over your shoulder for him. And every time you look at him, you're looking at him backwards. Is he in the back seat? Is he in the front seat? So a little bit more, kind of close, a bit more of a companion rather than a presence. He's there beside you, but you're still having to keep looking across all the time to him. Is he in the front seat? Or is he in the driver's seat? Is God in the driving seat of your life? And now for every one of you who's thinking, oh yeah, yeah, I've got him in my driving seat. Well, here's a question that follows that one. Thanks, Mike. Are you a backseat driver? Right? If God is in the driving seat, are you a backseat driver? Yeah? Oh yeah, it's all right, God, you, you can be driving my life, but actually, um, I'd still like to give my two pen a thing. So when you pull up at the junction, and God is the driver in your life, pulls off to the left-hand side down the road of forgiveness, and you say to him, where are you taking me? I did not want to go down this road. I do not want to forgive them. You pull up another junction, and this time Jesus takes you off to the right-hand turn, down the way of generosity, the road of generosity and grace. And you say, I don't want to be generous. That's not what I had planned. Putting God 
first. It's a challenge for us. How do we know we've got God first in our lives? Well, Canon J. John, which I know many of you will have have come across, Canon J. John. He's a wonderful uh, preacher and evangelist, and he comes up with some great ideas to share the truths of the kingdom. And he says if we want to know where God is in our lives, and if God is first in our lives, then we can see it this way. Let's take the acronym FIRST. He says, God is first in our lives when he comes first in our finances. Now that can get us prickly straight off, can't it? (laughs) God is first in our lives when he's first in our finances. When we think about blessing others, when we think about making sure that we're we're blessing the, the work of the church and the gospel in the world, when God is first in our finances... God's coming first because Jesus spoke so many times about our attitudes towards wealth and our money and our resources and what we choose to do with them. How we spend our money reveals what we consider is important in our lives, yeah? What about the next one? God is first in our lives when he is first in our interests. What do we spend our time on? When we've got spare time, what do we do? What are those priorities in in our lives? What do we get excited about that makes us make decisions? How we spend our time reveals what we consider as most important in our lives. Relationships. The quality of our relationships with one another shows where God is in our lives. Now, Karen J. John talks about the relationship of a husband and wife, and he'll, he said it like this. He said, well, when you've got a husband to whom God comes first in their lives, and you've got a wife to whom God comes first in their lives, he says, you reduce the opportunity for this. Collision. And when you've got folks... Friends who put Jesus first, who put Jesus first. The opportunity for fallout and division is reduced because Jesus doesn't slap Jesus. Shouldn't be doing that. So we know God is first in our lives when he's first in our relationships and the way that we deal with one another. We know God is first in our lives when he comes first in our schedules. Now here, first of all, let me affirm and bless every single one of you. Because this morning, you have put God first in your schedule. You have made a decision to gather together To be church. It's hard to be church when you're on your own. (laughs) Because church is plural. You've made a decision to come together. So many folks prioritise everything and everyone else above God. You know it. 
I know it. But let's not polish our halo too much because we've been guilty of it as well. And we, there are times when we've done that and we do do that. But if we're not careful, we get so busy that we forget life is all about him. I came across a phrase last week which I thought, that is so strong and so good. And it was this partial faithfulness is no faithfulness at all. Putting God first in our schedules and putting God first in times of trouble. Now we are blessed, are we not, that physically when trouble strikes us in this part of God's creation, we've got first responders who will come out at a phone call with their kit of emergency equipment and will give first response to us physically. We're blessed with that. God actually asks us to be first responders in prayer. The moment we are faced with a trouble, prayer should be the first thing we turn to. Come on, I really need your help in this one. And there are so many of you sat in front of me right now who've got testimony after testimony after testimony to where God has answered that faithfulness. Where we face trouble, we face difficulty, we face challenge. God comes first. We're trusting in him. Now Jesus goes on to say that all the law and the prophets, everything that's gone before me being here, says Jesus, hangs on the fact that You put God first. You love him with all your heart, your soul and your mind. And then you love one another as you love yourself. It's that order. If we get things right in that order, it makes sense. I want to close with an image. Because we hear, don't we, on so many occasions that A picture can paint a thousand words. So, if we have a look now over here, this picture I've got here. When we hang a picture on the wall, if it is hung on only one pin, it does that, doesn't it? It rocks to one side. What Jesus was saying when he was talking about these two commandments, everything hangs on those two commandments. When we just think of it hanging on one thing and one thing alone, it's not balanced. We're out of kilter. So if we are loving God, but we are not loving everybody else around us, we are not balanced. Equally, if we forget about God... And we go loving our neighbour and we're doing lots of good things and nice things and we're blessing people around us. Isn't that lovely that the world has people like that? We're all blessed by that. But if they're doing that and that alone and not having God at the centre of their lives, they are out of balance. They're out of kilter. 
Jesus said, he was asked the question, what is the most important law? He said, you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind and all your strength. And the second is like this, that you love one another as you love yourselves. On these two commandments hangs all the law and the prophets. It's when we get those two things right and in balance, that's when we've got God first in our lives. We need both. We need both. They are interacting with one another. So a moment of reflection then. Where is God in our priorities today? Where is he in our priorities? In our finances, in our interests, in our relationships, in our schedules, in our troubles. What do we need to do to balance that up? I was reminded on the way in this morning of that verse in the Psalms which says, where there is unity, the Lord commands a blessing. Unity is never uniformity, but the unity of a church, putting God first, loving him, seeking him, that's where things change. So just a moment of silence together where we might consider where we are with that.